Okay, so we'll move from the so-called simple to more complex to Dr. Cohn's next case. In September of 1997, I saw a 45-year-old woman who'd had a lumpectomy for an infiltrating, moderately differentiated duct cell carcinoma, which was three centimeters, and she had zero of 16 negative nodes at axillary dissection. The tumor was ER negative and PR positive. At that time, we treated her with a Koopa-type CMF regimen, which was weekly for the first eight or nine weeks and then going to every two weeks. The patient herself, we had discussed adriamycin with her, and she was worried about the cardiac toxicity, and in those days, CMF was a good regimen, probably still is, and that's what we did. She then had radiation therapy, followed by five years of tamoxifen because she'd been PR positive. She did well until November of '05 when she saw her local physician with some pains in the shoulder and aches, and the workup, when she was referred to me, showed lytic and blastic metastasis to the scapula, cervical and thoracic spine, as well as pulmonary metastasis in the right upper and the right middle lobes. As soon as we saw her, we called up the pathologist who was able to do a HER2 new assay on the tissue from 10 years ago on paraffin blocks, and it was positive. And when you say positive, could you explain? It was three plus by IHC. For her, too. For her, too. I don't participate in insurances, and this was the last week in December, and we decided she was doing reasonably well. We're going to wait till January 1st because of the deductible. She called me on December 31st with numbness in the right arm, severe radicular pain. I told her to quickly come in, and obviously this was for real. She had sensory changes. It was the night before New Year's Eve. We did not do a biopsy at that point on her. So we have a patient, Edith, with HER2-positive disease, at least in her primary, who's having severe pain, ER-negative, PR-positive. So Edith, kind of an unusual case. How would you think it through? And what do you think about the biology of what's going on here? Well, in a situation like this one, we would do a repeat biopsy. It has been a long time since the original diagnosis of the breast cancer, and the decision about to use trastuzumab is so critical for patients' lives that we would like to reevaluate the biology. Assuming you did the biopsy and it was HER2 positive. Our standard approach for these patients is chemotherapy in combination with trastuzumab. And the chemotherapy we utilize is a taxin in combination with carboplatin using the weekly regimen along with trastuzumab. Do this for six months of concurrent therapy in the setting of stable or responding disease, which occurs in the great majority of patients. Then we have discontinued the chemotherapy and continued the trastuzumab. Dr. Picard, what are your thoughts about this case? We were just talking about the issue of delayed relapse, and this appears to be a delayed relapse at 10 years of a HER2-positive tumor. Well, I would also immediately question the HER2-positive result. I think it's very bizarre, the eight-year delay and then also the biological profile initially and then the treatments that were given should not work in HER2-positive disease very well. So I would also try to get a biopsy of a metastasis rather than repeating the test on the primary if there is an accessible lesion. What were your thoughts about trying to get tissue? She wanted to wait till the HER2 new came back. This was only a two or three day difference when she showed up with severe pain. And here I was faced with someone on New Year's Eve. You can't get anyone to see her. I don't have the radio. You know, I was, to quote Jim Holland, radio therapists believe that tumors do not grow on weekends. And I had someone <laughs> with impending neurologic damage. In fact, I gave her my cell phone number after I treated her and said, if there's a problem, I got to meet you in the emergency room. I wasn't even on. I was worried about her losing function of the arm and progressing. So yeah. what did you do? At that point, it's hard to argue with someone on New Year's Eve to come back tomorrow. So I gave her Taxotere, Carboplatin, Herceptin, and Zometa. 
called me the next day. She was remarkably better. The pain was gone. The numbness was gone. And at that point, she really didn't want to go in for a biopsy. Very fine woman with a child with autism, and she's rather brave also. She did quite well. Three months later, we repeated the CAT scan. The pulmonary lesions were decreased. The bone mets were stable. She was not having pain. The CA2729, which had been about 50 on presentation, remained at about 50. At that point, she was getting some nail changes. She was doing well. I was dealing with metastatic disease. I said, let's just continue on navalbine and Herceptin. And I started on fulvestrin because of the data on crosstalk. I felt a little more comfortable with that because I assumed she was HER2 new positive. She was responding to Herceptin. Maybe ER was becoming positive in my mind. I also convinced her at that point to do a bone marrow biopsy. There were tumor cells on the bone marrow biopsy. Were you able to do a HER2 on those cells? No, they weren't. They're not too accurate, the pathologist told me. She didn't want to have a lung stuck. In September of 06, she developed swelling of the left leg, radicular pain, and a workup showed an increase in the bone mets and also numerous pulmonary lesions, and the CA2729 had risen to 96. We treated her with a Braxanovastin and continued the Herceptin. In two days, the pain was gone, the swelling in the leg was down, The CA-2729 for the first time became normal to 28. She continues to do well. The pulmonary lesions are gone, and she's functioning quite well. Edith? This situation that you describe of rapid response to chemotherapy and trastuzumab is something we see repeatedly. It really happens fairly commonly. If a patient, however, develops toxicity to chemotherapy and the patient has had good response to chemotherapy, trastuzumab, we actually stop the chemotherapy, continue trastuzumab alone, and not add a second chemotherapy drug at this point. We reserve that approach if a patient develops progressive disease, then we have continued the trastuzumab and added a second chemotherapy regimen. Then the other situation in this particular case is the combination of Abraxin, Herceptin, and Avastin. We are not using that type of combination because we don't have enough safety data of Herceptin in combination with Avastin. And although theoretically this sounds like a good idea, we would like to wait for more data to become available. What do we know right now about the safety of that combination? There's very little data because essentially there's only one phase one slash two study that has been reported in abstract form with very few patients. And even the patients enrolled in that clinical trial were not the very symptomatic patients with multiple sites of metastatic disease. These were patients with fewer than three metastatic sites, not high tumor burden. So we need to be a little bit cautious about this combination. And in terms of safety, some cases of congestive heart failure have been noted, but that number needs to be quantified in larger studies. She's getting a mugger every two months and it's remained normal. Let me go back to the change to navalbean. At that point, I discussed with her whether we should continue on Herceptin alone, or she said, well, if that's how I convinced that I have a bone marrow biopsy. I said, let's do the biopsy. She agreed if it was negative, she'd stay on Herceptin alone. And since it was positive, I chose to put her on navalbean, and she tolerated that well. So sometimes you have to negotiate things with patients, as we all know. Oh, yeah, we do, yeah. Dr. Bricard, any comments? I wanted to understand the choice of taxotene carboplatin. Why are you thinking the carboplatin there is important? Because I didn't want to use adriamycin because I was going to use Herceptin. I'm dealing with metastatic disease. She's going to need long-term therapy. And taxotere carbo is a very good regimen. It works with Herceptin, and I thought it was a good thing to use. What would you yeah, be thinking no, about? No, because there was this randomized study that compared the taxotere single agent to the combination in HER2-positive disease. That was the did, crown paper. And didn't show a real advantage for the combination. I was interested in getting the most rapid response, and to get a rapid response, I think you do better with a doublet instead of single agent. 
Edith, could you comment on that paper that in a randomized study looked like it didn't really add anything? That's right. And it comes in the context of the other trial that was done with Paclitaxel, Trastuzumab versus Paclitaxel, Carboplatin, Trastuzumab. But there was the clear advantage of adding the Carboplatin in terms of response progression-free survival. And although numerically there was a difference of about four months of overall survival, it did not reach statistical significance. As the Nick Robert study published in JCO, unfortunately that trial was small in terms of the patient number. So even that four-month difference in survival did not reach statistical significance. The challenge with the CROWN, the BCRG's randomized study, is that the doses of docetaxel were different in the two arms. For the docetaxel carboplatin, docetaxel was used at 75. For the docetaxel alone, it was 100 per meter squared. So the toxicities were a little bit different because of the doses of the docetaxel used. So it was not a direct comparison of the same dose of docetaxel in the two arms and then testing the addition of carboplatin. What about the issue of lapatinib in a patient like this who's never had trastuzumab and has metastatic disease, Edith? Is that going to move into the first-line setting, or is trastuzumab going to stay there in terms of people who've never had trastuzumab? The approval of lapatinib will be in the setting of trastuzumab progressive disease, first of all, but there's one phase two study of single-agent lapatinib in the setting of HER2-positive metastatic disease that had not been pretreated with trastuzumab, demonstrating a response rate in a high 20%. It's about 26% multi-institutional trial. That response rate is actually quite similar to the response rate we expect with trastuzumab as first line for patients with HER2-positive breast cancer. So I think labatinib has the potential of moving to the first line, but I'm looking forward to the randomized comparison of a taxane trastuzumab versus taxane labatinib that will be conducted. So putting aside reimbursement or FDA issues, would you choose lapatinib in a patient who's never had trastuzumab or stick with trastuzumab? I think lapatinib is an option, yes, although my preferred regimen right now is trastuzumab. That's what we have the most experience with. But as you know, we are comfortable moving lapatinib a single arm in the adjuvant setting as part of the ALTO trial, but we will do this as part of well-conducted and carefully monitored trial. This is not going to be for standard practice at this point.